This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the intrepid C.R. Rice. You like that? I just decided to start. I do. Program. I'm going to yeah. start just adding stuff to my business cards, and there's just going to be a section on the side. Of words that I made up to call you? Um, yeah, that's going to be a long business card. Okay. And our amazing <laughs> guest today is Ty Carlson. Woo! Okay. Hello. We're talk about what we're drinking. I, um, oh, by the way, this podcast is sponsored by Skunk Brothers Spirits. I'm going to always remember this. Coupon code DWA10. You can get their amazing stuff. Today, I'm not partaking one of their amazing things, but that's only because for Christmas, I was given an obscene amount of alcohol. And so I was ordered to start cleaning some of it out of the fridge. So I am drinking a Samuel Smith organic handcrafted fruit ale that is raspberry. It's a product of England. That is a mouthful. It is super fucking fancy is what it is. It's made in Seattle, Do you have a fancy Washington. glass? What? Do you have a fancy glass? No, I am drinking it out of the fucking bottle today is what I'm If doing. it's fancy, you got to make it classy with like a fancy little glass thing. I'm going to get you a special glass. When you drink fancy beverages, you have a fancy glass. Okay, that's just what I need. More glasses brought into my house. Okay, CR, what are you drinking? Because that was ridiculous when you explained it earlier. <laughs> so I am drinking, instead of my normal green tea and vodka, I am doing cranberry and vodka because I'm not feeling very well. So I got to get my fruits in. I think that's very basic of you. Ty, what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a local um, seltzer called Scarlet Letter. And it's... Oh. Uh, this is their limited release, so I feel super fancy drinking that. But um, yeah, I, this is something I usually drink anyway, and I'm super, I'm just like addicted to it. It's so good. And do you have a fancy glass? No, of course not. Hey, listen, there was no requirement of a fancy glass to be a part of this podcast. We send out solo cups is the swag. I do not but they are fancy plastic, like hard, heavy duty ones. They are, and they have lids. They have lids. Do you they know do. why they have lids? Because when I was ordering Because I drive them, with them. Yeah, a lot of people do, actually. When I was ordering them, the person was like, do you know you can get these with lids? I'm like, Solo Cups comes with lids? And I'm like, let's do it. Anyway, super excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ty, as we go down our rabbit holes here, before we go too far, can you tell this lovely audience who's listening and or watching what you... um drink not drink what you write oh my god this is very powerful and stuff here how many have you had <laughs> i would i would like to not answer that question for fear it may continue to incriminate me fair enough uh i write uh sci-fi and i have just gotten my first book published so i've uh, my debut novel is the bench and it's a uh, near future sci-fi and then the next few will be a little bit more sci-fi-y do you want to hold up a copy of the bench? Because you told me you would had love a copy to of the bench. It's right here. It's exciting. And it's beautiful. That really gives Continuum vibes. Have you ever seen Continuum? Yeah. It really yes, gives I that have. really nice. <clears throat> I like it. It was yeah, super no, exciting. I, 
finding the uh, finding the cover for this and like talking about, oh, I want this and this looks great and that looks great and oh man, I was I saw the final one and was like, that's the one. It was awesome. That's how everyone should react to their covers. How long have you been writing? Um, well, I remember writing a story in fifth grade um, that my teacher loved, of course, because what fifth grade teacher doesn't love your your students writing. But my you first say that story... except for I'm going to tell you we had somebody on this podcast who had a teacher tell them they should never write again yeah. in elementary Yikes. school. Yeah, anyway. not a great teacher then. No, not my at first... all. Teaching our children and our future. Yeah, yeah. Here's something you should not do anymore. Uh, my first story that I ever wrote was called Quintuplets in the Family, and it was loosely based off of my own family of four children I just added an extra one uh and I wrote that when I was in second grade so I've been writing I mean that it was trash but I still have it in my memory box in the attic (laughs) that's like in the attic or okay anyway um was that confusing for you too Chelsea it was a little confusing for me but I I think this this raspberry ale is I have uh been drinking for several hours now so I am. Oh, so you're you're there. wrapped up for this. I am not. I wish I could say differently. So, um, first novel. What took you so long? Obviously, you had the mojo in second grade. Yeah. Let's let's. <laughs> what took you so long to get to this point? It was mostly self doubt, which is, is probably the killer of a lot of authors. Um, I started writing a story that I that I had intended to write and finish in seventh grade, and it was. Um, a fantasy novel and I wrote it for even up into college and just never really felt like I was um, I was a writer you know I thought I thought imposter syndrome was in in full motion and there's no reason for me to think that I was doing well or well I'll ever be anything you know I'll just do this for fun and then the more um, the more I thought about it and the older that I got and really experiencing parenthood and adulthood and what it's like and, and seeing the wonder in my kids' eyes, I thought, you know, I really I miss writing and making stories and, and, and creating. And so I really in 2018 sat down and started writing the bench and finished it in 2019 um, and was, and was really proud of it. And I thought this is something that, this is something that I could do. Um, and my wife was super encouraging and decided, okay, I'm going to double down on this writing thing and, and look what it means to get published and, figure out what querying means and all of that. So that took a, a good year to figure out. So that had to be a fun journey. <clears throat> fun is a word I probably wouldn't describe for querying, but it is a word. So it is a word. That. What made you not want to self-publish? I, I always ask that friend... because there, there, there are many routes one can take, many, yeah. many avenues. I have a friend who wrote and self-publishes on his um, all of his books on Amazon, and we had talked at length about it. and And his big deal was, or his motivation for self-publishing was, I just want to write and put it out there for people who want to read it. And of course, there are success stories like Hugh Howie, who started out self-publishing on Amazon and it's super popular now. But I wanted um, I wanted a team that could help me figure out what's best for my book because while I may be the expert on the content within the book. I'm certainly not an expert in the field. Um, and I would flounder and probably fail if I tried to self-publish because I'm, um, 
I'm just not, I'm not certain what it means to do all of these, all the steps that go along with it. And so I worked really hard, um, a lot of sleepless nights of, well, should I self-publish or should I, should I pursue my querying? And, and I had queried 70 different publishers and agents, which isn't a, isn't a large number whenever, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but I just, Stephen I King knew. Stephen King would say he did double. Yep. Yeah. King was 154 or something ridiculous like that. But I think that's one of the, so did JK Rowling. That's one of the huge things that always like pushes you. It makes like discourages you because those are, those are, you know, fucking huge authors now. And it's yeah. like, okay, if publishers really know what they're doing, you know, how do those publishers feel that passed on JK Rowling and right. Stephen King? And they're kicking themselves. I'm sure. Oh, you're gone. Your sound, your sound cut Where's out. Your I wasn't sure it was me. We lost your sound. Man, and I just had like an now amazing. Now you're back. Now you you're back. Oh. Uh, hopefully, your epiphany back. One of the kids probably opened a window, let that Wi-Fi out. <laughs> <laughs> that would explain what happens in this house, then surely. Um, so. You queried 70 author, uh, 70 authors, 70 publishing companies. Wow, I'm doing so well tonight. I really am. I'm giving I want the impressed. link to that dream. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I told you that I did a podcast yesterday and I was drinking some of that lightning stuff, would that help explain? Yes. Yeah. Lightning. Yes, it would. It's got brother spirits, which is 80 proof. Basically, it's just fire in a bottle. That's the, Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. With a tinge so, of honey. <laughs> it's, yes, it's, I would like to say it's honey flavored. That would be an inaccurate description. It, it, it does have sweetness, but it's fire, basically, in a bottle. Um, <laughs> so my question for you is you go through this experience, you query somebody. What was that like when you first sent out the query? Were you under the impression that you would get something like right i mean we all hope we get something right away obviously we're not like i'm gonna send this out and i'm gonna fail but um did you what was it like as you were adding up the numbers on that and like going in that direction yeah i i hoped that someone would snatch it right up um but the realist in me said uh pump the brakes a little bit and and think about it critically you know if you're if you're sending out the first batch, I sent out 23 queries and got um, some immediate form rejections, which was fine. Um, I expected those. I expected rejections. And so when they came in, it wasn't a surprise and I wasn't disappointed. It was just, okay, so this is one of the many that I'm going to get. And they're just, I'm just one step closer to being accepted. And that's how I viewed it. It got discouraging after 50. Um, and I had an Excel file that said the date that it was sent. Um, the, the proposed date of response, which was four to six weeks or whatever, and a date within that range. And I would go through every week and I would look and see, um, okay, so the date for these, you know, three publishers passed, they didn't respond. So I'm assuming that's a no based on their, you know, if we don't get back to you, assume it's a no. So I would highlight them in red and then go back down the list and add any new ones that I had submitted. And um, as the page started filling red, without any yellows or greens, <clears throat> I started thinking, you know, I know this is a cool story and I really love it. And, you know, as friends and family do, they say, oh, that sounds great. I'd love to read that sometime. I started thinking, 
maybe it's not good enough. Um, and I would be okay with that. I wrote this story for me. Um, and I wrote it because I like to write anyway. So I started thinking maybe this, maybe it's just not good enough yet. And that's okay. Um, but I need to find people to read it and tell me if it's good or not. So I had a couple of people read through it and they gave me some pointers. Um, and then I started participating in Twitter events. I had, a, I've had a Twitter account for geez, a decade, maybe more. Um, and never even heard of pit mad. And when I finally did, it was, I think in 2019, maybe 2020, so I ended up participating in three. audience, explain what pit mad is. Oh, okay. Yeah, so pit mad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, That's what I was afraid of. <laughs> it's super cool. It's it's a it's a Twitter event where you can pitch your book in 240 characters or less um, and add comps in there if you want. But if you use the hashtag PitMad, um, agents and publishing houses look at those uh, on a specific day twice a year or once a quarter, so four times a year. And then if they like your pitch, they um, it's it's essentially them saying, yeah, send us a, send us a manuscript or send us, um, contact us one way or another through our website and put in the subject you liked my Twitter pitch or, or pit mat or something like that. So was, instead of me having to query more people, when I would get likes, um, on my, on my book pitch for the bench, it was essentially them saying, Hey, this sounds interesting. I would like you to send me stuff. So it kind of turned the tables on it. And I, I loved that idea. And I thought that was so cool. Um, and it was really fun in the writing community on Twitter to see people succeeding in that and see them. Um, some people, you know, I retweeted one day, I think 150 or 200 tweets and seeing some of those that I retweeted get likes by publishers and agents. It, it, it made it feel like it was a community effort instead of just me sitting down at my computer, typing out a query and sending it 23 times. Um, and so PitMad was a was a, a really fun event for me to do a few times um, and helped me help me find Four Horsemen. Four Horsemen, John, 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 publishing company, which was very, very cool. I have a, a firework thing that goes off in your stuff. So when he says it, like you just have like, I would love like church bells. I need you or something. To, I need you to arrange for that to happen, Chelsea. So I can, I also would <laughs> like. Right. Something that follows me around and plays the theme music necessary. Perhaps for this a, uh, I'm in. Uh, a band that just follows you around and pops out of your closet. I like it. Yeah, it's something I, I would like to work on. I've wanted for some time <laughs> a theme song to follow me for the moment that I'm in. But so it's awesome. You did come on board with Four Horsemen Publication, but you wrote a fantasy book to start with, and then you wrote a sci fi book. What made you? switch teams so to speak yeah because i feel I, like if you wrote a fantasy book you had to have been an, a nerd of some kind i know that oh, being one. an og nerd from the yeah. cover in the dice dnd days so um yeah big nerd here um i i started writing the fantasy novel and i I mean, in seventh grade i, I was reading brian Jacques and the wheel of time um terry goodkind a lot of the really popular ones, I, I was reading Discworld and Orson Scott Card, and I loved all of those. And I thought, you know, um, not that those are fan all fantasy, but those big name authors, I would yeah. I'd like to write something that has to do um, with 
whatever fantasy world I build. So I started writing and it, and it ended up looking a lot like Zelda Ocarina of Time, really, if I'm being honest. There was, there was certain oh, people. Oh, just got excited. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I thought it was awesome. And, and I, I will say, the... I get a lot of heat for things, but I am a giant comic book, video game, like everything nerd. And just the idea of that sounds amazing. So if that has stopped production for some reason, you should really circle back. Maybe, maybe I will. It's, it's very long. I mean, I think I have close to a hundred thousand words written in it. I wrote it over the course of 15 years. Um, but it, the difficult thing is that it, since I started it in seventh grade, it has seventh grade writing, eighth grade writing, ninth grade writing yes. adult writing so it's just it's a mess it'll have to be reworked but as I was writing this fantasy story I got to thinking that I what I really like is not necessarily the fantasy setting I love magic and magic systems and how and how that kind of plays out but what I really like is the relationships between people and what's um what conflict arises from either everyday circumstances or, or some crazy circumstance that arises, you know? So then I, I, I got, I, I switched teams, as you said, to borrow the phrase, because I asked my wife, um, I saw a Facebook quote or Facebook question. Um, if you could spend an hour on a bench with someone living or dead, who would it be and why? And I asked her, and she told me that her, she'd spend that time with her dad and her dad died when she was eight. And so I got to thinking, you know what, that, what would that look like? How would that work? And what, what would it, what would it result in? And so the idea for the bench was born in that, um, in that Facebook question of who would you sit with on a bench? <clears throat> and so then it developed through that, um, technology and the results of technology and the consequences of technology and then I realized as I was querying, oh, I've got a sci-fi book on my hands. This is not something I had anticipated. But I, I like the idea of sci-fi better than fantasy because fantasy, not all fantasy, but it resonates more with me, especially right now because technology is so fickle um, and it really has a large role in our society right now that fantasy... Um, is is escapism in a really fun way but sci-fi is scary in a fun way if that makes sense no it's so that's why i like writing sci-fi so do you feel like sci so with with mine you know i have a bunch of different realms that do that cross the barriers with everything and you know i have a sci-fi realm and one of them that i have found is as I, i've worked on it is a lot of sci-fi is fantasy like they just mm. blend so well together yeah. And when I brought it up with some other, you know, sci-fi writers or something like that, they completely lose their minds and say they're completely different things. <laughs> but, and I understand they are, but do you ever feel as you're working on your sci-fi that it kind of has that little bit of coexistence with fantasy? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Because you're making up, <clears throat> I mean, you're creating something from nothing, which is a lot like any author, but you're also creating whole new worlds or technologies or or people groups and that i mean that's a lot of fantasy too is you're creating whole new things that make the world turn every second of the day um and with sci-fi even in the bench it's near future so it's so it's not 
spaceships and aliens, but it's technology that doesn't quite exist yet. And even in that, um, I had to create something totally new. And so I, I can see sci-fi and fantasy being um, two sides of the same coin. I think it can be. I think it just is when you're going into the realm of fantasy or high fantasy, like there, mm-hmm. there are just certain authors and then you have heavy science fiction, which is like the spaceships and aliens and where all your fans try to figure out if it's scientifically possible for whatever to occur, occur. Because fucking sci-fi just... fans, I love them, but man. <laughs> it's so like ridiculous because it's it's fiction and it's like you're completely making it up. It's fake. And right. so like, but people, like Erica, people Did you ever see so Galaxy angry. Quest? Galaxy yes. Quest yes. is a perfect example <laughs> yes. of there is no making it up. Yeah. They get so mad. But I, I, you see that even at, um, I was watching a video or, uh, earlier today. I saw somebody got into a fight at one of the sci-fi conventions in like Utah or something because an author or um, one of the actors had said that like, it's not actually possible. It's supposed to be fun. And like the fan lost their mind. Like they were like, what do you mean this is impossible? Of course this is possible. We're going to be living in space. And like, it was just, people do get very excited. How is the fan reception of the bench been? Um, how's the family what? Re- fan reception. Oh. Um, the fan reception has been really, really exciting. Um, I've had several people that have texted me and uh, a good buddy of mine who is very critical said, you know, I really liked the first chapter. It reminded me of Stephen King a little bit, which was a, which was a huge compliment. I'm not saying that I'm as good as him, but I love reading Stephen King. and I love Stephen King's style. So I, I thought, you know, that's, if it's good enough to hook hook him in to continue reading, then um, I, almost anybody can read it because he's he's real critical. I've had people that have texted me; they're super excited to start it. Hey, I just got my copy. Um, the only the only difficult thing is my family is pretty conservative, so um, my mom tried to read it and it and she was um, she was nonplussed. She didn't want to finish it, so that was a that was a tricky conversation to have. Um, about something that I'd accomplished and really felt was really proud of to have it kind of um, categorized in a way that wasn't, wasn't necessarily true. But other than that, Would you like the flip side of that, because I brought this up sure. that my, um, I write chick lit erotica, uh-huh. erotica under my other name. And so my book is called my home on whore Island and the sequel is slumming it on slut street. It's really night neat. Cause my dad has read both of these and talks to his friends and introduces me to his friends as this is my daughter. Doesn't highlight the horror stuff I've written, but absolutely goes, yeah, no, my daughter, she wrote my home on whore Island. I read it. It's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, that has their own flavor. Everybody has their own flavor. So, right. You know, it, it can go. <laughs> so, like, thanks, Dad, for the support. Aka awkward. <laughs> yeah. What about on like um, Amazon and stuff like that? Are you reading your reviews? Yes, I've had um, several reviews have been left on Goodreads. Amazon has a couple, I think. Um, and it's super exciting to see that, to see people take the time out of their schedule to write um, something that people may or may not see, but it's praising the, they're all good reviews so far, praising the book about what's great about it, what they enjoyed about it, stuff that they couldn't wait to see resolved. And 
um, to have people talking about something I created almost makes me feel a little bit guilty. Like, oh man, I'm not, you know, it's just little old me. You shouldn't be wasting your time with my stuff. But then the other side is, man, I spent hundreds of hours on this. I can't wait to see what other people have to say. And so it's been, um, I check Goodreads and Amazon probably every day, maybe every other day to see what other comments have been left. And, and it's, it's so exciting when a new one pops up and to see these names of people who are saying, um, you know, it's on my reading list or, or I've, um, I'm, I'm reading it now. And, and it's just, I, I never thought that it would happen, honestly. <laughs> well, but that's what you wanted. I think it's great when it happens because that's, that's sort of what you wanted. And I can tell you being the publisher of said book, that book's amazing. Like everybody talks about that book and the reviews and stuff like that. It is an amazing book and it's exciting that you're doing this in a series. And I think that's, what's kind of, did I embarrass you? You're not allowed to get embarrassed. No, I just, <laughs> at least I'm not I'm the only one that gets read. So flattered. <laughs> but it's true. And it's I, what I think is exciting about this and, um, is that we are going to see more. We are going to see a series. You didn't run, end up in that situation where you just wrote one book and everybody has to hope to God somebody liked it enough to make the next one, which I think is unfortunate for a lot of authors get trapped um, in publishing situations where they're only asked for the one book and they only do the one book and then they don't know what to do. You know, to your point, you talked about not really knowing or wanting to go into the realm of self-publishing. I, I talk to a lot of authors that are like, cool, I got my book done. And then there's nothing on the other side of it. It's like a hazy gray mist. I mean, even Melinda Snodgrass was talking about who has been publishing for 80 billion years. She's a wonderful woman, but she was talking about the fact that her recent series, they published the first two and then just stopped. And then they yeah, went back to her. They just stopped. And they wouldn't yeah, come back and she couldn't publish too. anything more in the series. And she's like, but I have the third and fourth book. Like, I have the books. Let's do this. And the publishing company was like, no, we got bought by somebody else. We don't want them. That or like they have a lip. So one of my favorite duos is a mother-daughter. It's PC and Chris and Cash. They did the House Night series, Phenomenal Writers. So they did a, a teen superhero series. And the, they announced that like, you got the first two, but you don't get the last one. So like you had all the, it was a, it was a trilogy. And so the publisher was like, you know, we didn't quite hit what we wanted to sell. So we're just not going to do this. And for the next five years, they, they can't submit anything self. They can't go to another publisher. They can't do anything. And I don't think people understand that with traditional publishers, if they don't like it, it has nothing to do with the author. It has to do with the company. Right. No, agreed. It's terrible terrible okay oh we have to take a break we have to take a break we'll be right back with drinking with authors goodness our sponsor today on drinking with authors is skunk brothers spirits skunk brothers spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits their name was inspired by their pops who was nicknamed skunk skunk's father was a moonshiner in oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. 
Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. Amount of food. You ate a massive amount of what? Food. It was a okay. giant bite. <laughs> yeah, I see that. As Charles does not recover. So let's talk about your writing process for a little bit. Okay. What is your writing process? I've got, boy, let me tell you. Uh, oh, my you writing process is, is haphazard at best. I, okay. I, I love, um, I love my family. I've got four kids and two foster kids right now and a wife and a full-time job. And so life is crazy. So all day long, I'm thinking, you know, I wonder if, if this should happen in this book, or I wonder if this person should do this. And so I have on my phone, a notes section and I just type out like, um, you know, do whatever, when you get home, look at this, look at this section of the book. So I'll get home and then I'll forget about it. And then I'll be sitting in church on Sunday and, and finally my brain is like unplugged and I think, oh, I've got a, I've got this idea for the book. And so I'll write it up. So I, I look Sunday night, I look at my notes section um, and I see all of these notes that say, look in chapter four of the book, write this section. What, what would happen if this worked in a certain way? And then I go to my computer and I see that I've got chapter one written, chapter seven written, half of chapter eight, all of chapter nine, the end written and then a bunch of scenes in the middle that just need to be kind of like slotted in right there you oh, go yeah. you found somebody there who writes go. like you it's let it's me not, show you I my mean, hard drive <laughs> a process it's very loosely a process i don't know if i could even call it a process it's a uh, it's i write everything that i want in the book and then i and then i kind of figure out like okay where does all this stuff fit and how can I fit it together? Um, and it works. Oh, I mean, magically. I just want to say my spirit a, animal. <laughs> a momentous moment. Cause CR has been helping me um, with uh, co-hosting. You have no idea. Ask authors all the time. Like, tell me a writing process. And none of them have said what you just said. I've seen her hard drive. I've seen her post it. <laughs> she's like, I've written all of these things and now I'm going to put it in order. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a no, I and I just I can't. I'm like, you no, no. No, I throw some headphones on. I I hit shuffle on whatever yep. it is, and then I just write like random stuff that go throughout. It's why I have so many different pieces written throughout all of my rooms, and then like somehow by some miracle, there is enough for a book. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how it works. I remember yes. when I oh, finished so the bench. I was think I was I I wrote the I wrote the scene and and I had scrolled through and I was like um, I have like live edits on or whatever so I I scrolled through and on the side of the page I could see you know add this scene or write this and I was scrolling through and I couldn't see anything and I I took the next couple of weeks and I read through it and then I realized my book is my book is done how did this even happen it's not even yeah. and it's cohesive and it works like. <laughs> 
okay, cool. Let's, this is great. And my, my hard drive has, has a lot of book ideas and then one file that is deleted scenes for every book. And some of it has stuff that I end up like reusing in a different book or reusing the story. But I have, have a lot of files that say um, such and such scene for such and such book. It's, it's, yeah, I, have, I mean, it's awful. <laughs> my computer actually crashed last week and destroyed like 14 documents. So like, I totally understand. Oh no. Like, I finally have somebody that understands my chaotic process. Whereas Erica's just, you know, writes from chapter one to the end. I finally but, have somebody But that see, understands. you gotta realize I do something <laughs> that a lot of people don't do and it makes so many authors nervous. I don't outline, I just write. I and see, I, just, I also don't understand how you outline a book. Like what happens, you know, if you go outside your outline, do they just- a lot of- Throw a lot away. of authors do, though. I think some people need to get there. You know, it's kind of like how people approach anything, whether it's um, a, how they approach work, how they approach even cleaning, for instance, right? Is um, you, some people have to have organized thoughts in place. Like they have to go, I'm going to begin here and I'm going to do this. And, you know, and then some people have a lot of research to do depending on the type of book that they're doing. Do you do a lot of research for your books, Guy? Um, for the bench, there's a, there's a tsunami in a certain place in the world. And I did probably five hours research on that area. Um, I don't, um, so like moderate to minimal research. Yeah. Oh, Ty, we just became best friends. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I needed another one. See, I'm telling you, you guys get, you will have a total writing mojo with each other because it's interesting. But I know a lot of people that at least have to sort of do a chapter summary, kind of do that. And I think also how some submission processes work, they want you to do that. They kind of require it and um, not for horseman publications, but a lot of, um, <laughs> but a, a lot of um, publishers require you do that. And I think most authors I talk to don't follow it completely. Like they write the outline and then it kind of can go where it's going to go. I, you know, I, I think everybody's different, but I think whatever works best and never think what you're doing is wrong. Because if it's working, then it's right. And everybody should try um, different ways to do it. Because if you just try to follow what other people do, maybe you'll find something successful. But if you, you know, I know somebody who um, has written probably 60,000 words in a um, world book and hasn't finished the actual book. And I'm like, yeah, that's like it's like supposed to be one book. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be a series, but she's keeps going back to the world book. And I'm like, yeah, you're never going to fucking get this book done. If you don't actually write the book, like write the actual book. And if you need to do notes, I cheat. So with my series, I just go back and listen to the books before I, I. <laughs> so bad. I have everything trapped in my head Which all the time. I don't take any note, like I will say, so I, you know, I, as I said, I lost 14 documents. It's two and a half books. So I went through and I've been trying to scramble. Okay. So the panic set in. So I actually opened my copies of my own books just to clarify the fact that a dress was pink. It was not important, mind you. 
it had nothing to do with what I was doing, but I was sitting there and I was trying to figure out how to do it. And I'm like, holy shit, was her dress pink or was it purple? Had nothing to do with it, but like everything is stuck in my head. And I think that's why, you know, my husband always makes it fun of me because I have half conversations and I think it has to be a lot with authors. Like, I feel like <laughs> authors have to do it. You have part of that conversation with whatever's in your head. And then you just look to the person you're with and you're like, don't you agree? And they're just like, freeze because they have no idea. <laughs> like, that can't just I will tell be my, me. No, no, no. I'll look at my wife. We'll be doing, I'll, she'll be doing dishes or I'll be doing dishes. And I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, you know, I think this is what needs to happen with, uh, with Grant in The Favorite. And she's like, She's like washing the dishes. She just kind of looks at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, oh, <laughs> in my books. I'm in author mode right now. What do you think about that? In fact, she hasn't even read this yet because in the, in the process, <clears throat> I love my wife. We've been together for over 20 years. I, I love her, but she, <clears throat> to say that she's critical, she, <clears throat> she was very critical as I was talking through the, through the story of the bench, because it's, um, it's mostly done through, through memories. And so it kind of builds this nostalgia thing. And I would say, Hey, this is, this is an idea for this scene. And she's like, okay, well, what do, do, does the reader know this yet? Well, no, they find that out in the next flashback. Okay. Um, well, haven't you already explained this? No, no, no. I moved that from the beginning to the end. And she was like, no, that, that doesn't make sense to me. And it's like, well, it would if you had read chapter one. And she's like, well, I haven't read chapter one. So I had to, <laughs> we got into like a, like a big argument. And she was like, you know what? Forget it. I'll read it when it's published, okay? I'm not going to read it because I'm hurting your feelings. Actually, it was like I was getting my feelings hurt. I was pretty sensitive because it's my baby, right? <laughs> and she was like, I okay. I totally get it. I think everybody it was, gets was, it. I was like, you're so mean. Why are you being so mean to me? And so she was like, I'll read it when it's done. Okay. And um, so she hasn't read the bench yet. And with it just being published last month or well, now we're in February, so a month and a half ago, um, her book club has it next month. So she has to read it in February. We'll see if that happens. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> That's exciting. That's exciting yeah. though. Well, I think it's interesting when people... Um, and we totally got sidetracked off of this year writing process. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But okay. I think it's interesting when you talk about friends or family reading your book, because we want friends and family to be engaged. We want them to be happy for us. We want them to. But I, I realized a while ago, dad excluded their dad, if you're listening, because awkward with my dad asking me about blowjobs. Anyway, <laughs> um, but having people close to you or trying to get them to appreciate your artwork, it, it doesn't necessarily work like that. And you, you'll find your fan base. You might have people close to you that are your biggest fans. A lot of times that happens. And a lot of times as authors, we read each other's stuff and are like, Oh my God, this is awesome. But when I, uh, you know, I go to, you know, my friends and I'm like, so did you read the book yet? And I realized I had to stop asking that question. People I get offended. Yes. Uh, they do. Yeah. And it's because you're you're kind of going, I want you to appreciate something I did, even though it may not be something that you appreciate. And it, it's yeah. it's a weird sensation because I really want them. And I'm lucky I have a really good friend of mine. She's not an author, but she reads all of my stuff. 
and she sends me the funniest like lines like because I also write horror and she'll send me a line going cool you should have told me not to read that right before I went to bed thanks (laughs) and I'm like you know I wrote one for um the latest demonic anthologies and it was about vacations and she's like cool never can go to a hotel again thanks and I was like yeah so I warned you on that one I will say it's really hard because especially when, you know, I have some, I have some family members who, who haven't quite read it, but then they ask me questions about it because they'll see things like in reviews or, or they'll overhear somebody else talking about it and they'll ask me and I'm like, well, didn't you read the story? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, that, that was completely explained. And they're like, oh, I forgot. I was like, no, you're looking for insider information and you want to claim you read it. Like, don't do that. Yeah, I, I, I've got lots of people that are saying, I got my book today. And I have one friend who ordered it as soon as it was ready, December 25th, like, hey, I ordered my book. I, and then December 28th, I got my book. I'm super excited. I haven't heard if they finished it, but I sure as heck am not asking if they finished it because I want them to tell me and I'm not going to invite them to be like, uh, well, it just, I just wasn't like, well, I didn't finish it or I don't have time. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm okay. It's You'll, almost like I, I think you're going to have your fan base, which is going to be amazing completely from it. And that will be your fan base. Those are the people, especially I cannot wait until you and I think CR has encountered this a little bit, but wait until they start asking you questions about things in your book. And you're like, what did I write that? <laughs> that happens. I'm telling you that happens. It happens to authors all the time. People will get attached to some minor character or some little scene that was a plot device for you that you are not like, this was, this was necessary. It was just like, I I jokingly, it's, you know, you, you know, Cal the barista and everybody is like, so what, when is, what is Cal's story? And you're like, who? Yes. And they go on and on and wait till that happens. You will have somebody approach you at a signing event and be talking and you'll be like, yeah, no, no, I love that part too. What the fuck? And you'll go <laughs> home and you'll be like, roll mind. I'm telling yeah, you. My mother-in-law does mind. that. She, she, you know, my mother-in-law and, and father-in-law, they both read them every time they come out, like the day of. And as soon as they finish them, they, they, you know, give me an honest super honest you know everything like that and then they'll ask me questions and I have to kind of lead them a little bit because I'm like oh yes yes who was that yes what did you think of them and I'm like oh you're talking about because it it is sometimes it's those things where like they're so unimportant you don't even store them in the recesses of your brain just just wait just yeah just wait this guy that was super critical about my book, I, I asked him, he said, hey, he brought it up himself. He was like, hey, I'm in chapter eight. And I was like, oh, cool. What do you think so far? He was like, man, I hate this character. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, why? Well, here are the reasons why. And as he explained it, I, I, in my head, I thought, I didn't write it like that. Well, did I write it like that? And so I had to go back and read, read my own book and be like, what, where did he get this idea that this character was so unlikable? It was bizarre. He was the only one but, that said it. So maybe he's just jaded. Everybody but. has well, that though. No, but like, even if you don't mean to. Yeah. You, the thing about books, which is really awesome, especially really well-written books is 
you insert the things about it. It's kind of like when you hear how people feel about a character being cast from a book to a, a movie, right? And how they feel about that or how they feel like this character was portrayed because to them, it was completely different because of their life experiences. And like some characters, people will read and be like, man, I love that character. And you're like, that person's a dick. And other people <laughs> will be like, oh my God, I hated that character. And you're like, that's literally the hero of the story. She saves everybody. And they're like, God, she's a whiny bitch. And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But that's I had the that, fun about literature. I, is and that, I, think, I think it's the great part about being able to expand on your stories too, especially when you do a series, is because in one book, it's really hard to completely capture somebody uh, in an entirety. So when you do either side stories or second books, you get to build on their, their personalities. And then people are like, oh, they're a giant dick. No, you know what? I kind of like them. They're, they're a tragic villain. Leave them alone. Yes. <laughs> Leave them alone. Absolutely. Stop hitting on my characters. Okay, let's talk about your writing process. Do you write with music? Uh, yes. I write almost, almost every single time I'm writing, I have to have some music going on. Um, if it's too loud that I can hear the ling the lyrics, I'll start singing the lyrics and then I'll start typing the lyrics. So, so I have to keep it. I have to keep it down. We can still be friends, but I mean, it, unless there's certain groups that are like loud, almost to where it's just noise. Those I can write full blast to. But like Lana Del Rey, usually I write to Lana Del Rey and Lord um, Florence and the Machine. Those have to be low enough because they're like easy listening kind of stuff. Otherwise, I'll start singing. Florence and the Machine is amazing. I oh, man. Crap. I love her. But you know what I did is I went from her to Lorena McKinnon and then to Celtic music. And so what I do, because I have the same lyrical problem, do, go, go on this journey with me. This is where we go. Um, okay. Lorena McKinnon does more Celtic-y versions of what Florence and the Machine do. Because just... If you look this up, I promise it's not Erica drinking. Well, <laughs> go with me. But I started listening to Celtic music because a lot of Celtic music and stuff like that. First of all, you can find epic playlists on Amazon, not Amazon, YouTube. And um, there's no words. It's just music. Oh. You want a song? Do you want a life hack? like a psychologically yeah. proven life hack okay so if you're ever feeling unfocused there's a song called experience and it's by i do not know how to say his name so i will send it to you but it is psychologically proven to stimulate your brain waves it has no music it's strictly an instrumental but on a more positive note if you do if you do nightcore like look up any song that you like or that you're into and type nightcore after it is an it is a mix of your song and will shoot you down a just absolutely amazing rabbit hole of music. Wow. And Man. you won't be able to sing to it because it's different. They change the tones of the voices. They change the mix. They speed it up. They slow it down. It's fantastic. Well, that's perfect because I get so irritated when I'm sitting there writing and, and I'm, I find myself suddenly singing the songs <clears throat> And I'm like, God damn it. Come on. You're better than this. Yep. Um, we're not better than that. If, if <laughs> <laughs> I just, my husband made me a drink. And it burns. 
So is it lightning? Because I can understand if it was lightning. It's actually hammer and sickle. It's a it's a Russian vodka. It's probably the best vodka I've ever had. But if you don't just you know know that it's there, it's kind of like lightning. It just sneaks up on you and just burns. I can breathe now though. Oh, that's good. That's Goodness. that's important. So music. We were all um, worried. Are are you better writing in the morning or at night, or is there a time or? Uh, it doesn't matter the time, um, but in the morning, the house is quiet uh, for the first time, and then it's loud until 8.30 at night. So usually at night, I'm just so exhausted uh, that I, I just, I'm kind of spent in my brain. However, if I have the opportunity to go write at a coffee shop and I can put my earbuds in and put my music on low enough to where it, it's the same volume as what I can hear in the coffee shop itself, then I'm great morning writing is definitely more difficult because I've got to, I've got to wake up and get creative. Whereas at night, it's probably almost equally as difficult. I've got to, I've got to muster the energy and be creative. So if I can drive to a coffee shop five minutes, five minutes down the road, it gives me that time to kind of unplug and reset. And then once I get there, it's like, okay, let's get to work kind of a thing. Very cool. And how much do you usually get done in like an hour? Like how much writing? I can usually, if I have been thinking about the scene for a while, um, I can usually get a little more than a thousand words in an hour. Um, if it's a scene that I'm kind of playing with and figuring out, okay, so maybe this should happen or, or what if this happens or if I'm writing a couple at a time, 500 to 700 words um, while figuring out what works. If I already know what I'm writing and I've kind of been formulating how I'm going to start it, uh, the other night when I was working on my current short story, Work in Progress, I got 1,200 words in an hour. And I was really proud of that because I was like, man, I just hammered that out. I wanted to get this on the paper before I forgot kind of the emotion that goes with it. And so if I can get a couple of hours, I can get some pretty good work in. That's pretty badass. Usually. So what do you do if you have no inspiration, but you know you have to write? I start writing. And it sucks usually. The first 200, 300, 500 words are pretty bad. But what do you mean? Like you just start going, the dog ran to the house? Or do you pull a word? Do you like look yeah. at different resources? So for the, for my third book in the series, I know how I want it to end. Um, but I, I didn't know how to start the end, if that makes sense. So um, one night I, I sat down all of the kids were asleep. My wife was out of the house. And so I thought, man, I've got several hours of quiet time. I really should use this to work. So I sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I had my coffee and I had my glasses on. And I thought, I have no idea what to do. How do I start this? Where do I go? So I just started writing very simple stuff about the book. The main character's name is Grant. I said, okay, Grant, Grant walked to the, to the house. And this is, this is the next thing that happens. And the sentence structure was like disgusting. My it was disgusting. I went back and I rewrote all of that. But after about 30, 45 minutes, I kind of got into the rhythm of, okay, this is what I want to happen in this scene. This is what I want to accomplish. This is, oh, this would be a really cool thing if I put that in there. And so it was almost like I was kind of getting the, getting the machine going. You know, I was, I put the gasoline in and, and it took a little while for it to chugga, 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 chugga. And then it started working. I highlighted all of that stuff that was bad. I let a guy, my the guy that self-publishes, I let him read it. He was like, yeah, this isn't great. I was like, tell me about it. 
and I rewrote it all. But I had started writing, I had just started writing something that was relevant to the story and, and it, and it worked out. It's not easy. And sometimes it, I kind of reread it and I'm disgusted with myself, but I'm able to get that on the paper or in the machine and, and then kind of go from there. Are you trying to get tips or something there, Charles? Is that what you're trying no, to No, I have, my, I will say, no. So I will say as messed up, and Erica will tell you, my process is completely messed up. Like it's even crazier than yours, but it works and it's solid. It's just, I find it really fascinating how people do things. So like when I can't figure out what to write, but I know I have to write something, I go into Pinterest, I type in obscure writing prompts because you get some really weird stuff. You get like, I think one that I was looking at the other day was something about you find a one-legged, no-headed woman walking down the street. What do you say to her? So like you get some weird stuff, but like something about just reading through them, even though I don't use them, it just triggers something because it's, it's useless yeah. information. So, and that's where I thrive when there's no good reason. It's, it's where I flourish. Yeah. It's crazy how people start doing Square flourish. It's where I go. (laughs) (laughs) That's what works for me. Oh my God. Terrifying, terrifying things. My mind is a terrible place. It definitely is. What what is your um, sort of Achilles heel, do you think, in writing? Like, is is there something that you do that you're like, I really need to stop doing this? I, um, I use two adjectives to describe things a lot of the time and it was it was pointed out to me by a beta reader they said you know like i'm reading it and it's awesome and i love it but but every time you describe something you use two adjectives and it i didn't notice it until about halfway through the book and then every single time you describe something i was like oh yep there are the two adjectives there are the two adjectives i did not know that that i did that thing do you think it's because you write it in pieces because I have that too. You write it in pieces, so you're not writing it cohesively. Right. Do you think that's what it is? I think I think part of it is true, but part of it is is that I don't want to be too descriptive, but I also want to be kind of descriptive. And so it subconsciously in my head, I was like, okay, I can't just say that it's like a green, I don't know, plant. It needs to be a green flowery plant, but it can't be a green flowery obnoxious plant. It's just in the middle, you know, like two, two adjectives is like. Kind of sort of green plant. Right. Yeah. So okay. I, I, that's something I've noticed I've done. And, and I've, as I've been writing these next couple of um, stories, I've tried to tone down the two adjectives a little bit, um, sometimes unsuccessfully, but you know, whatever. It's my story. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You can adjective it up until the editor gets a hold of it and then deletes them. Yeah. And highlights yeah. them. Just highlights is like, hey, did it again. Yeah. Just so you know, <laughs> you do this all the time. <laughs> that's that's the joy of an editor to go, hey, so fun story. Stop doing this thing. It's it's it doesn't look good on you. Okay. Oh my gosh, we are near the end. You know what, Ty, you need to do at this time? Say what advice you would give authors out there. I would I would say um, write your story. The way that I started writing is I wanted to write a story that was relevant to me and it made a huge difference that I wasn't concerned with what was popular in the market at that time. Um, The stories 
the stories are going to come to you uh, as a writer. And I think you should, you should write them how they come to you. And a lot of times you'll be writing a scene and you won't know where it's going and that's okay. Um, a lot of people want to know what the end is, even as a writer. And sometimes we don't know. So just write the story, write the story, how it is in your head, write the story, how you hear it, how you think about it. Um, and then figure out the rest later. Very, very cool. Okay. Hold up your book again, because we're going to talk about the book. So the book is The Bench by Ty Carlson. You can find it on Amazon by searching that or uh, Goodreads. It's on there too, but you can order it from wherever. Um, and it's, it's awesome. I love this story. And what is book two? Book two is going to be a novelette. Uh, it's a little bit shorter called The Glade. Um, and all the stories within this universe are unrelated in, in regards to like character and what happens in that story. Um, but they kind of all circle around one unifying event. And, um, and that unifying event will be discussed in the glade which is coming out next and then the favorite which is the third story is going to be a full-length novel um, that comes out later this year and when does the, the glade come out it'll be summer it'll be in the summer maybe a little bit earlier um early summer i'll say cool and how do people find you on social media and stuff to follow your epic writing adventures uh, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at TC Rivers, which I get a lot of questions about that. It's the pen name I created in sixth grade because I thought I was going to be a famous author. So I've decided to keep it for nostalgia's sake. Hopefully I don't ever have to change it to like Ty Carlson author, something super boring, but at TC Rivers, uh, Instagram, same thing at TC Rivers. Um, I actually think I'm at TC Rivers 85. Um, so, so and then on Facebook. <laughs> You'll have to wait till the next episode to ask them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most active on Twitter. I love connecting on Twitter. Um, it's a it's a good platform, I think, for writers. Very, very cool. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I really appreciate you being here. I loved being here. It was a blast. Awesome. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. Our sponsor has been Skunk Brothers Spirits, DW810, if you want to try some of that lightning not try. Um, <laughs> don't even leave the bedroom. Do, do not leave your house. Um, I, your host, <laughs> Erica Lansman, fellow, and Sierra Rice, and our amazing guest has been Ty Carlson, and we will see you next time.